0: Set my mind to something of what I got it. Whether it's plowing 20 acres in a day or dropping a tree within an inch of where I want it. I'm here today to get me a wife, and I don't aim to go back home empty-handed. Eh, you're all pretty and fresh and young. And I'll keep you in mind. But I ain't deciding on nothing until I look them all over.
1: interesting but, well how can i not be this was a very good choice and as you can see i've got a pile of stuff on the table i've got my notebook which i usually have but also i've got down a dvd criterion dvd of the devil and daniel webster which has a relevance to this i've got a book uh, about johnny mercer biography of johnny mercer by gene lees who's a great music writer but he doesn't think much of this film as we'll get to in a minute and i've got i've referenced this series before in our podcasts there's a series of books called Backstory, edited by Patrick McGilligan, and if you like me, you are a screenwriting maven. You're fascinated by the screenwriters of yesterday. You. you want these books, and this book features two of the three writers who did this film. Now, Seven Brothers, Seven Brothers. I was aware of it. Uh, just I think everybody is because it's a big, silly, big, successful Hollywood musical. Of a certain, certainly, people of a certain year would have heard of it. I'd never seen it. I was very. I had a number of surprises. Uh, the first one being that you wanted me to watch it, uh, and it's a really it's a big, soppy, uh, silly Hollywood musical, and so I sat down to watch it at your behest. I thought it was really good. I liked it a great deal. Um, there was there were surprises. The first surprise was I knew that it was based on a myth or semi-fictional account of something called the rape. Yeah, great word to get in there uh, of the Sabine women in which a bunch of women of a Sabine tribe were carried off and forcibly made brides by uh, a bunch of Roman soldiers. But I thought that this story was from the Bible. And interestingly enough, Pl- Millie... Yes, you're right, you're trying yeah, to say Plutarch.
0: Plutarch. It is Plutarch. Uh, in this movie... That's even in the lyrics of one of the songs at some
1: point. Yeah, well, this <laughs> the movie begins with Millie marrying Adam and yeah. she goes up to his cabin in the woods and... Yeah, it sounds like a horror movie, it's not... She has two books. With her, one is Bible, the other is Plutarch. So that was interesting. This story was a story by a guy called Stephen Vincent Benet, who is a very big, big, huge, successful American writer, mostly of short stories, I think. Uh, The the reason I say that is because The Devil and Daniel Webster was also based on a Stephen Vincent Benet short story. So he appears to me, besides being a huge success, to have specialised in folksy American tales or American folk tales, and that's sort of what this is sort of an American tall tale. But it's beautifully handled. I mean, it's so well handled. The screenplay is a ferocious marvel of proficiency, and that's because it's written by really top-notch pros. So that the writing team, which I alluded, the two writers I alluded to, are a writing team, and they're called Frances Goodrich, who's a woman, and Albert Hackett, who is her husband, and they have a f- stellar list of credits. Most notably, they did the Thin Man films, which should instantly identify them. They got fed up with. They were the most successful screenwriters in Hollywood but they got fed up with being pushed around by producers. I got so angry I couldn't talk. (laughs) By producers that they went back to New York where they came from to write for the stage again and they wrote The Diary of Anne Frank which was this huge Broadway Anne Frank wrote that. They wrote a play based on (laughs) Anne Frank's diary which dramatised that diary and brought it to a new audience and led to the film of The Diary of Anne Frank and is, although it was a hugely influential bestseller before that it brought that story to millions more people and was a towering success all which is to say they're a couple of good writers
0: and i'm curious in their interviews do they mention howard keel and his displeasure with the scripts
1: oh my god i I didn't know any of this who could have been displeased with it so i'm just flipping through to see if they it's a very short interview and a very long career so they may not even touch upon uh,
0: that I, all I know is that he threw his weight around quite a lot because there were various aspects that he wasn't happy about, even though he knew that when he signed onto the film. But that's very much of the time. You know, this is the studio system still in its dying days, and yeah. the actor has to have some. It, you know, it's that thing of you know, I've got to change something just to be shown to still be the star of this.
1: Well. I, um... Before we go too far down that road, I thought he was great in the movie. He's fantastic. I had no idea what what I was in store. So uh, they were these fabulous screenwriters. The third screenwriter was called Dorothy Kingsley, who had an equally prestigious list of screenwriting credits, but I don't have an interview with her, so we're going to rather unfairly say a bit less about her. But the point is this movie's wonderfully made, and it's. I was going to say it was no surprise that one of the screenwriters was a woman, but it turns out two of the screenwriters were women, because it does this... The other big surprise for me was, in my in my mind, it was based on this biblical story about these women who were abducted to become brides by some bastards. You, you've actually referred to the title as Seven Brides for Seven Rapists, which <laughs> illustrates the problem with the principle that yes. is being uh, being invoked here. So I thought it was this biblical story about stealing brides. Uh, no, it's from Plutarch. That was the first surprise. The second surprise was, in my mind, what happened was they would kidnap the brides. They'd all have a, a wedding and it would all be uh, happy ever after it's that's not the way it's constructed at all so the very beginning howard keel who we now know was not a nice man to the riders, the bastard but he looks magnificent he's like this towering red-haired red-bearded giant he's
0: got in, a voice like no other it's just booming he voice.
1: rides into town uh in his buckskins uh there's a lot of things that i just hate but they're that's because this is the way it was he has a bunch of Beaver pelts he's going to sell because he's killed lots of poor little beavers so he can sell their fur for his supplies. Which just, you know, I hate that kind of stuff because I'm on the beaver side. But he's coming to town with beaver pelts, also looking for a woman. He's looking for a wife. And you mentioned his singing. It must be said here that when the credits were rolling and I saw those screenwriters, I was very happy, but I was also delighted to see that lyrics by Johnny Mercer, who's one of my heroes, he did Moon River. He wrote the lyrics to Moon River, which is probably his best-known song, but he did much else besides. So I was happy about that. So when Howard Keel burst into song, I was quite happily listening to, to Johnny Mercer lyrics. So Howard Keel tells the people at the store who are buying the hides of these poor animals he's slaughtered uh, that he's looking for a wife, and they're like, oh, you know, there's 10 men looking for every for a wife. There's 10 men for every woman. It's good luck working, looking for a wife. And he runs into this uh, girl who's played by... I'm looking at Jane, Jane Powell. Powell, her <laughs> name is Millie Point P- Pont. Anyway, Pontaby Pontaby, well done. Jane, so Jane, Jane Powell's lovely because she's she's milking cows and she's Pontaby's
0: Adam's name. They're the Pontaby boys, they're the brothers, so that's her married name. Okay, I can't remember what her maiden name is.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that was, that was a weird name for it. She's marrying her brother, No, So that's her, That's her married name, stupid, but she's uh, she's a, a rough and tumble, really she's very pretty she's serving meal and meals t- that she's cooked in this sort of um flop house and he sits down to try some of his stew because obviously you have to uh, your wife has to be able to cook and, you know milk cows and uh, the great thing is because this movie has to move quickly is that she's serving s- stew uh, to all these guys sitting at the table and he sits down at the table and she takes one look at him and she pours the stew into the lap of the next guy because she's so taken with him which she needs to be, because he's going to propose marriage in the next 10 minutes. She's going to say yes. And they're going to go riding in his uh, now beaver pelt free wagon back to his cabin in the mountains. uh, And they're married. And she's this very touching scene as she's riding back with him. How she says that she hated working in the flop house because she she so wants to be just alone, just her and him. And we already know that he's got six brothers waiting for him. And it's a horrible kind of you know like you're you're dreading what she's going to find out when she gets there because she's moving into this horrible it's a big cabin it's still it's i was gonna say it it, squalor but it's hollywood squalor but it's still a horrible place with all these guys she's expected to cook for them and clean up after them this isn't the marriage she signed up for and you know you just it's a time bomb ticking time bomb as they're riding there in the wagon but when they arrive this is where I think that two, two out of the three screenwriters were women, that they really take it from the woman's point of view. Yes,
0: they do. I, I think you missed the song, the, the very first song as well here, which really does set the tone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's no, it,
1: It's like uh, you uh, honey poke
0: or something. What's it? Wow. No, I don't know which song you're thinking. Hang on, hang on a sec. Bless Your Beautiful Hide.
1: Bless Your Beautiful Hide. That's exactly, yeah, Um, that's what I meant.
0: And it's basically Howard Keel running off a list of things that women should achieve in order to be suitable for him. Suitable for for a wife. Um, Specifically for him, though.
1: Okay, but a couple other things have to be said. Uh, One reason she falls for him is Howard Keel is basically a god. He's a Viking god. And it's when he (laughs) says he's going to clean himself up before the wedding, Yeah. uh, I thought, oh dear, the beard's going to go, and he's just going to look like a a schlub. But no, ah, he looks he, great that. He appearance. keeps He gets rid of the beard, but he keeps a dashing swashbuckler kind of mustache, <laughs> fortunately, because otherwise he would have just been like a bland leading man. But yeah, so Howard Keel is terrific and he's charismatic. She's great. Uh, she's married into this hell, but she sort of ro- literally rolls up her sleeves and gets, gets in. And throughout this movie, like, especially once the women are kidnapped, again, the female point of view cut, cut, cuts in. So it's, these men are doing terrible things. But what I expected was it, the men would do terrible things and the film would just be accepting of that. It's not. The film is highly critical. The, the, men they, don't come out of this film well. No, it, it sets the woman's point of view really strongly and really effectively and quite comically.
0: Yeah. Um, unfortunately, undoes that a bit with the uh, June Bride song.
1: Well, you see, I didn't think the songs were uniformly great. but Oh, like
0: that. But, but, there's only but, one bad one. Um,
1: but I, I just went with it. And that there's... You know, this is a movie in which cowboys are going to be dancing while they're putting up a barn but I was willing to buy into that and the dance sequences and the songs are all just, it's all terrific fun the movie really packs a punch because she rides up there uh, and then the winter arrives she, what she does is she licks the brothers into shape she makes them clean themselves up and clean up their act and she basically is running the place because she's the boss yeah. and, but then when, this, this is all during the summer then when winter hits Suddenly, the he, you have happily married Adam and Millie, but the six br- brothers are all at a loose end. And so they uh, they start moping around in the wintertime, and it's really effective that. That's when they go and kidnap the brides. is It's in the depths of the lonely winter. And what this movie does is it goes through the seasons, and like there's a spring sequence where they've got little lambs and stuff, and it's all schmaltzy and silly, but it, to me it totally works. It's in this Technicolor alternate universe where... The seven brothers all have different color, brightly coloured cowboy shirts. But it's great. And they're all fantastic dancers, the men and the women, both. And then it, yeah, Well, they aren't.
0: Aren't they? Yeah, if you watch closely, you'll see that uh, there's two of the brides that aren't really allowed to dance most of the time. They tend to stand oh, in well, the you see, You've seen this many times. And there's two I of the just, brothers as well who aren't as good as the rest. The dance
1: sequences were very effective. And at the end, it was not a surprise to see that one of the minor brothers was on loan from the New York Ballet or something.
0: Which, oddly, I mean, he, he's only in half the film. He's actually written out partway through. It was um, the guy that plays, I think, Daniel, the brother. And when you get halfway through, basically he's always shot from behind. And there's one scene where he's clearly a totally different actor. Well, you notice the same this color stuff, shirt. which is, is yeah. all
1: fascinating stuff once you start digging down... There's the a lot details. of drama behind the scenes on this. But just um, just as an experience, going in for the first time, I, lo- I thought it was a great Christmas mm. movie. I loved it. Uh, yeah, because it's Christ- because... Yeah, because the 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 what's more Christmassy than a winter abduction of six women, which is well, what that's I wanted, very true. Uh, <laughs> we were only saying that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's one I've watched all year round. I, yeah,
1: it's a feel feel. It's a feel good, heartwarming movie which attends to the seasons. Has great winter sequences in it. Uh, what did you think of a lonesome polecat sequence? Uh, I th- that's when they're. It, logs. That's the winter sequence. Yeah, that's the one uh, that I was. Did you notice it was all one take? I didn't notice it was all one take, but what I wanted to know is how did they make those. It looks so convincingly wintertime, because I'm assume
0: there's no sequence. <laughs> it's all soundstage, yeah. It's brilliant. It's now, really good soundstage shooting, and some win- of the matte shots in this are phenomenal. The
1: winter stuff is great, but all, and there are some good matte shots in this, but it also has to be said it has some of the phoniest, <laughs> ridiculous looking backdrops I've ever seen. And I was going to rail against them. But this is where I suddenly I'm rem- reminded of a television program on which I worked called <laughs> Doctor Who. And I saw an episode called The Aztecs, which the, they had the th- most phony painted backdrop of like a, a, a hills in the distance. Mm. And it was, it was obviously it was like curtains hanging because it had folds in it. And so I just thought these people don't know what they're doing. And it, I then learned a bit about the making of that show. And it was supposed to be, have been shot in a bigger studio. So the backdrop was the wrong size and that's why it, it had folds. Anyway, there was a reason it looked rubbish. And looking There's at this, a reason for this as well. Oh, well, I'm, let me tell you what Gene Lees says about it. Is this about how it was shot? Uh, well, the, what Stephen... Uh, sorry, Gene Lees in his book about Johnny Mercer says uh, that at the same time, the same studio was making another uh, musical called Brigadoon. Yes. And they took most of the... Bu- well, they took a large chunk of the budget for Seven Brides and spent it on Brigadoon, and that's why they couldn't afford any location photography and had these terrible mm, backdrops. Yeah,
0: no, the main problem was that they shot the film twice. Ooh. Once in full frame, once in technoscope. Or is it technoscope, cinemascope, maybe? Some big um, they, they shot colourful. every sequence twice
1: but because they wanted to sh- they decided it had to go up wide widescreen or well, something because not all
0: cinemas could support cinemascope so they decided to shoot it twice Oh, in two versions and this was parallel um, version yeah this was the director's idea so they said well fine you can do that but you're not having that much money because you're going to spend it all shooting well, Gene, so they would shoot cinemascope so in what the morning you're saying is that jean Lees is wrong um Yes, because this was the official story put out at the time because they didn't want to admit that they weren't prepared to pay for filming in two different formats.
1: Well, Gene, uh, you may or may not be right, I'm, uh, Gene Lees is one of my heroes, but he's also certainly wrong about something else because he really lays into the Johnny Mercer songs. He, basically, Gene Lees hates this movie, but I loved this movie.
0: I adore it. I think it's fantastic. And it's one of those, I don't know if you ever went to the Museum of the Moving Image up on the South Bank. I did. Yeah, and they had the, not the barn raising sequence, but the, the dance just before that, uh, with all the girls, uh, with the, the brothers fighting over the girls in the fight, in the dance. Um, that was playing on a loop, in a sort of mock-up cinema front, and I used to go up to Momi pretty much every Saturday and Sunday. Because we lived in Chessington, so it's twenty miles to uh, twenty minutes on the train up yeah. to Waterloo. Oh, cool! Then I could run down. It was like one pound fifty, I think, to get in for me, and I would go straight through to that, and I would watch that sequence about eight or nine times before people started coming round, <laughs> and then just have a putter, putter around the museum, Every which year. after a while had its own little Doctor Who section, which was a bit of a bonus. <laughs> the Seven Brothers, Seven Brothers loop, I watched so. The many dance, times. like
1: I'm not, I don't like musicals or dance movies, uh, with the exception of Bob Fossey ones, like. Uh, chicago or cabaret but i did like this mm. uh, and i just bought into it it's really silly i mean these people stole the country from the native americans and slaughtered them all of the values that are on offer are hokey the and the production values are hokey too but it, I, there's what's not to love about this movie and when they do kidnap the brides i mean it's you know it's pretty awful they throw blankets over their heads and kidnap them yeah. from their homes but okay again with a well-constructed story at the very beginning when adam is taking millie back to the cabin and the unknown six brothers they go through this long canyon uh, valley in which he says that in the winter uh, the you can have avalanches if you make a noise which is beautifully set up because when they come racing the brothers come racing back with the abducted women through the valley the villagers are in hot pursuit with guns. I've written in my, I've written in my notes. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> exactly. But uh, then they bring down the avalanche, close the pass so that they can't follow. So the six women are stuck up at the cabin with the six brothers and Adam. And luckily for them, Millie, because Millie, as soon as these women Not arrive, pregnant uh, We don't know that yet. No. But yeah, uh well, maybe she's knocked up a little bit later. Anyway, Millie immediately says you men go sleep in the barn the women now take over the house and so this goes on for months which is the extraordinary thing yeah. uh, i thought you know in a couple of days they're going to get through the past and go after them. but no it goes on all winter and the men are, are shut out all winter long and the women start to from their starting point of rightly feeling that they're monsters begin to feel sorry for them and there's i i've written here that there's a there's a dance sequence with all the women in their underwear, but you have to remember that this is cowboy underwear. So it's it's like basically wearing o- white overalls. It's long johns, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, <laughs> the, the women are isn't isn't even as form fitting as, as overalls because they got the anyway.
0: So it, it's worth going back and watching that sequence again and watching Julie Newmar because um, they wouldn't let her do anything.
1: Well, she's the most, she's the striking brunette, isn't she? God, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. darkest. Yeah, Darkness. I knew because it, it was a great name. Yeah, it and suits I, her so well as well. I've, I've heard her name, so she must have gone on to do, do something I didn't know.
0: Okay. Adam West Catwoman. Right. That's a big thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love her in that film because she don't give a shit. She really isn't enjoying it and she doesn't hide it well on screen. And they're not letting her dance and they're not letting her sing. Why not? Uh, she wasn't good enough. Oh. I mean, this uh, most of those girls were were dubbed for that song. Uh, you know what it was like then at the time. They could all probably sing perfectly well, but somebody's daughter wanted to be a singer, and so they use her voice for it, and you know how it goes.
1: I, I've written that it, it, in its notion of, like, the cowboy or the uh, the farmer from the ranch who has to find a bride, it's very like Bus Stop starring Marilyn Monroe. I thought that was an interesting comparison.
0: I like the line from Howard Keel where he says, what do I need manners for? I've always already got me a wife. <laughs> It's Mm -hmm. what i use often (laughs) um but i I, i've got a lot of time for this film because it was one of my nan's favorite films so she had it on vhs and anytime i was around there we would always watch this and calamity jane uh, so i've seen it a lot
1: well calamity jane i look forward to i've written armed pursuit what could possibly go wrong a good cat scene there's a good cat scene
0: Well, there was a cat scene in the other film as well. I hope you noticed that I got you cats in... Yeah, um, yeah. The the cat one was was
1: crucial in Heart and Soul. uh, (laughs) Pivotal, some might say.
0: But there's... I mean, you say the songs are great. There's some very questionable lyrics in some of them. Um, Well, that's Johnny Mercer for you. Can't Make No Vows to a Herd of Cows is one of my favourites, which is in Lonesome Polecat. I wasn't
1: as bothered by that as this. There's one, uh, March comes in like a lion, what else? And then all the snow begins to melt.
0: I thought that doesn't even rhyme, Johnny. The whole spring, spring, spring song is all over the place. Uh, it's it's adorable, just because they clearly had a really good tune and not very long to knock out some lyrics for. Did you notice how underused um, Howard Keel is as well? Not really, because he makes such a big impression at the beginning. I didn't notice that he's. Kind of, I guess you said he sort of drops out. Yeah, he only gets two songs for the most part, and he was supposed to do another song, but this is what he objected to. Um, Doing songs? Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he objected to because it, it made his character look weak. I think he said. Exactly. Yeah. So it'd been fascinating to see what that song was. I've never heard it. I know it exists, but it wasn't filmed, obviously, but the song exists.
1: Now, what Matt was alluding to earlier is that uh, I think at the same time that she puts the the brothers under lockdown, uh, her husband storms off. He had had some petulant tantrum and he leaves her, doesn't
0: he? Yeah. He goes off to the cabin.
1: The the trapping cabin where he's going to murder more small animals for their fur. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he disappears way up in the mountains and leaves her behind. I forget what they argue about. Is it, was it because that she locked down the brothers? Or?
0: It's that they kidnapped six women and brought them back. That was the main issue she had. No, so that was all just that. So he yeah. fucks off that night. So they Petulant. all get shot up in the, yeah. the cabin and he goes off. He petulantly goes.
1: Uh, yeah. But he goes away not knowing. What we learn in the course of the subsequent sequences is that she's going to have a baby. And this pays off wonderfully when the, pass, when the snow in the past melts and the posse who comes in to you know basically to, to shoot the seven brothers and take back their wives do- well not their wife their daughters and sisters and as they're closing in with their guns and some one guy's got a scythe right closing in on uh, the, the cabin they hear the sound of a baby crying and the preacher says oh no not that <laughs>
0: <laughs> anything but that i think yeah
1: the- yeah but but presumably from a man who's completely unacquainted with the length of the human gestation <laughs> cycle
0: very true but, um, but yeah. it, it's a
1: major plot point and rather cleverly handled in that that and i didn't see this coming when they come in and they they've got all the the boys all the brothers at gunpoint who apart from the initial abduction have been perfect gentlemen it has to be said <laughs> they're all held at gunpoint the girls have been liberated and the preachers very different he says oh, look girls we know that these things happen we heard a baby crying Whose baby was it? And the girls all look at each other. I had no idea. I thought they were about to say it's Millie's. They, every one of them says it's mine. <laughs> and the reason this is clever is that to maintain proprietary, uh, they they all have to have a gun, a shotgun wedding, because they don't know which which girl's lying. So all of the brothers have to are forced to marry uh, one of the girls, which is what they wanted. So it's a happy ending, but it's a very amusingly engineered happy ending. It's a
0: very dark happy ending. You don't get many gunpoint happy endings.
1: Well, you don't get many uh, romances
0: that begin with uh, abduction. True. Upbeat songs about rape as well. So yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It's the suburban women. It's, it's extraordinary. But it, this is a classic musical. I think it's wonderful. It's a movie I could return to again and again. I suppose I said it was a Christmas movie partly because of the great winter scenes but also because it's feel-good.
0: One of my other favourite things about this is the, the naming system for the brothers whereby their mother had named them all alphabetically from characters in the Bible. So you've got Adam, Benjamin, Caleb, Daniel, Daniel Ephraim and Gideon but for F yeah. uh, they, they have Frank but it's not Frank because apparently there are no names beginning with no F in the bible named, well, there are I looked it up There's loads and, uh, Frank for instance but yeah he's named after frankincense, frankincense which yeah. uh, I like that
1: <laughs> it's a good title but I did worry about that F thing so they uh, well I thought it was unlikely to be true but uh, wonderful you know uh, flawless script dodged some dodgy fake looking backgrounds but also the winter scenes are astonishingly convincing I, I it really has a wintry feel it's beautifully done yeah it's a wonderful movie
0: some good performances in there too and um, yeah. you've got Russ Tamblyn as well who's superb as Gideon yeah um, well the
1: trouble is all the brothers there's a lot of them be, <laughs> yeah
0: I mean in fact, only about three of them have any proper screen time or lines. Most of them are yeah. kept to the background quite cleverly. Well, that's because there's too many. There are too is many characters, but also it's, it's not you don't need them. But
1: it's also like uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, the TV series. That, you know, yeah, the face you're making is more than.
0: I don't know why you'd bring that up. <laughs> because
1: it's got a built-in problem that there's too many characters. <laughs> I Nearly swung for you. <laughs> too many characters, just like too many characters. But this yeah. in this way, you've got two sets of too many characters who are paired off, and somehow that kind of works. Because the dynamic is the same for all the characters, so it's quite straightforward. But yeah, a wonderful movie. Have I done due do Diligence? Ever? I don't I think I've mentioned the name of the director who is Stanley Donnan, who's specialised.
0: Like, was just a legend.
1: He did loads of musicals, didn't he? So he died recently
0: as well. Well, right. I say recently, actually. It probably was quite a while ago now. Things that seem recent turned out so, to be some time ago.
1: So from Seven Brides on, deep in my heart, never heard of it, it's always fair weather. Kismet, Kismet, actually, fill-in director. But well, funny face. He's known as a choreographer. Pajama game. Uh, what Lola wants at the title, I know. Even though, Charade yeah. You know what? When I was, when we were talking about Perfect Friday, and I sort of lost the power to speak, I was trying to <laughs> allude to a whole subgenre of caper movies from the sixties. Here's two of them: uh, Arabesque and Charade Oh, he also
0: did Two for the Road. That's a great one. It's too late now. I'm not editing that one.
1: <laughs> Saturn. He did, oh, he ended up doing Saturn Three. Holy cow!
0: Yeah, it's weird career, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but with a lot of highlights and a lot of very strong musicals look this was this I was this was such a surprise I really enjoyed it it was Hollywood mainstream all the way but what a perfectly constructed product I was very impressed
0: it's a one I always go back to again and again yeah loved it
1: I didn't expect to yet I did now try try and get
0: hold of the full screen and the widescreen version and look for differences it's fascinating
1: okay well you know uh, I'm not going to hurry to do that but I made it it. (laughs) that. because it's it's not impossible because it's such a good movie This has been a podcast by my friend Matt West and myself, Andrew Cartmel but very importantly the music, the fabulous music you heard at the beginning and that you're listening to now is by Joe Kramer Thank you very much, Joe
0: Bless her beautiful hide she's the girl for